Welcome to Everything Scary. My name is Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host, local celebrity. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, international celebrity. Thank you. Matt McLean. Hello, hello. <laughs> Every Tuesday, we release a new episode, mostly true crime, but we've also been known to cover a pandemic, a haunting, a super mad, super strong chimpanzee. We'll cover anything and everything scary. Please rate us five stars and join us on Instagram at Everything Scary Pod. Here we go. Hello, hello. Hello, welcome to our number two. <laughs> hello, number two. If you haven't listened to part one, um, you're probably going to be lost. You're probably going to be lost, but if you like to do things backwards, we're not here to tell you what to do. I don't care what order you listen to. I'm not your real mom, and I never will be. As long as you like and leave a review. Yes, please do like and leave a review. And you know what? If you're on Patreon, you probably just heard one. That's great. If you're not on Patreon, we have a Patreon. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that we will give you. Okay, so one thing I can say about Phil Hartman, like I just said, is I watched his interview with Howard Stern, which, I'm sorry, I know you love Howard. He makes me so uncomfortable. Uh, I will say this. I The old Howard Stern is very, very awkward. I didn't even like it when it was happening. And this isn't even like, he has a lot to say to women that I, I don't care for, but this wasn't even that. Like, it's just like, he says things to Phil Hartman and it's like, he's trying to make him uncomfortable. I know that's his thing. That's yeah. what he's supposed to do, right? Yeah. But I feel like I have to get up and leave because I don't want to be part of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> he's super obnoxious in this interview. He mm-hmm. asks questions that clearly make people uncomfortable and when they do that uncomfortable laugh thing that people do when they're uncomfortable, <laughs> he just plays ignorant. Like, he can't understand. Like, he'll be like, no, no, like, I'm serious. Like, why da 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 Yeah, yeah. And he, like, just doubles down on it. And people are like, okay. <laughs> so... I'm sorry. I won't insult your guy anymore. You can insult Howard as much as you would like. You You know what? He's going to go home and cry into his millions. That's right. Cry all the way to the bank. (laughs) I just feel yucky watching him. But his Phil Hartman interview is actually when he's married to his third wife, which we will get into. But he asks Phil, he says, if this marriage doesn't work, do you think that maybe there's a chance that it's you that's the problem? Mm. And Phil's very self-aware and he admits that he likely is the problem. And he states that He has a tough time seeing things from the perspective of others. And this is something that he's working on. So you got to give him points, at least, for being self-aware. Does he work on that? How do you see the perspective of others? Because I really struggle with that, too. Empathy? (laughs) I have empathy, but I just, I don't know. I have a hard time putting myself in people's thought processes. Like, if I do something that has, like, a negative consequence to somebody else, I'm, I'm genuinely shocked. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shh. But you you recognize it after the fact. Yeah. So maybe uh, that's not you not having empathy. Then that's just maybe you jump the gun sometimes. Yeah. And I would like to get into a place where I know that before it happens. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I have is my sister. Yeah. And I've been known to make emotional decisions. Mm. And Haley is very much the opposite of me. Mm. Uh, Like she underplays things a lot. So... What I will do is I'll usually send a text message to Haley and say, am I being unreasonable? Mm. And she will tell me straight up if I am or if I'm not. And then I I take my key from her and carry forward. Yeah, That's what I do. You need to get yourself a Haley. Uh, All right, Haley. uh, Keep an eye on your DMs. I'm (laughs) coming for you. (laughs) So at this time in the Groundlings, Phil and Paul Rubin, 
Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot they were the story. Yes. So this is Pee Wee Herman, and they were working on a little project together. And this guy gives me the fucking heebs like I couldn't even. Oh, That's Hartman's bro. He is a gross. Yeah. And he fucks over Phil anyway, so he, oh, I'm he does? fine with saying he's gross. Oh, no. So a side note, though, also during the Howard Stern interview, and this is a spoiler for anyone who didn't know, but Paul Rubin, who played Pee Wee Herman, was busted fondling himself in Florida while watching an adult movie in a movie theater. Yeah. Which, it, which is gross. But what are you thinking is going to happen? that's what I'm thinking. If you're at, like, you know, the Cineplex Odeon, yeah, don't do it. But Yeah, if you're watching Trolls fucking world tour, don't do that. But, like, if there's two people just getting down and dirty in an adult movie theater, what do you think is going to happen? That's the purpose of these movies. Wow. Like, what you need to do here. Uh, Here we go. I'm going to lean into this. All right. What you need to do is you need to get yourself a bag that looks like it has popcorn in it, you just cut a hole. <laughs> wow. Continue. I'm listening. <laughs> and then you cut out the back panel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you put butter. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Is that where you stick your wiener? The wiener goes in the bottom, the hand goes in the back. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Like, I um, think, you know what? Sir, there's a lot of people complaining you're just spilling popcorn <laughs> all over the floor. Matt, you're assuming there's popcorn in this bag. It's an oh, empty right. bag. There's no bag. It's just a wiener. And when people do, <laughs> it's your dick in a box. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh, that's an SNL callback. Did you see that shit? Yes. Yeah, that very, folded nicely into this. Yeah, that's, that's the term for sure, nicely. <laughs> uh, TM, by the way, because I'm going to market these. <laughs> <laughs> That is a trademark. Yes, thank you. It's your, and then when the wrestling happens, like when you hear like the popcorn bag, you're like, oh, Paul Rubens just helping himself to a handful of popcorn. <laughs> There's Pee Herman. Oh my God. God, he loves, <laughs> he loves popcorn so much. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a real theater when I was a kid and the story came out. Well, the, and that's why I thought he was a perv for sure. Well, he's a perv. Is he? I mean, just fucking, you're Pee Wee Herman. Why don't you just rent a movie at home? Maybe they didn't have the little section in the video stores back then. I think they didn't. They definitely did, Matt. Have you seen 70s porn? Obviously. Yeah. Like, this is the 80s we're already yeah, talking about. But like, just because they made porn doesn't mean they distributed it. Whoa. Was there an extra syllable there? Nope. Let's move on. <laughs> nope. I nailed it. Distributed it. Whoa. Distributed it. I don't know. To me, I will assume. Maybe he likes to be in front of an audience. A consummate performer. Always got to have an audience. (laughs) 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 He looks like a creep, though. Let's be honest. Connect the dots. Doesn't he look like a creep? Yes, he does. His eyes are too blue. And I didn't think I could say that, but... Hmm. And so are yours. This is actually my segue into telling you about your eyes. Oh, my God. (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) You know, we went and saw the new Top Gun movie. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I'm the asshole. (laughs) Is there a new Top Gun movie? Well, just Maverick. It's the only recent movie I could come up with on the top of my head. Really? Yeah. Okay. The sequel to Top Gun. <laughs> have you seen it? No. I have never seen any of them. I rode the ride at Canada's Wonderland. Nice. That's, Thank you. That's about the same. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, he um, fondled himself in a movie theater. But in this interview, Howard is going to break, and he says, when we come back, and I'm fascinated, and I, I need to know why P.V. Herman masturbates in movie theaters. And Phil just says... Don't we all? <laughs> like, why would he fucking know that? <laughs> like, Paul Rubin's like, listen, Phil, I really need to talk to you about this thing Here's that I love I to love do. Doing. 
<laughs> like, what? Why would he ever know why his ex friend did something like this? Like, leave him the fuck alone, Howard. Stop making me uncomfortable. <laughs> but back to Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> the theater? Yeah, that's right. Phil and Paul and another partner named Michael Varhall were working on a screenplay for the Pee Wee series, and they were working on the movie Pee Wee's Adventure. When Howard Stern was asking Phil to explain why his friend did this in his alone time, Mm -hmm. Phil would say that they had not spoken about it and that they had had a falling out. Mm. In a roundabout way, Phil would essentially say that Pee Wee got a little bit too big for his britches. That's why they fell off and he started touching himself. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Phil would basically say that he forgot about the people who were helping him get to where he was. Phil and Michael were also supposed to receive each 3% of what the Pee Wee brand pulled in. Wow. And they never saw any of it. That would be huge. Yeah. So when Howard asked if he went to court over it, Phil said no, he just cut ties with him. Which is also part of Phil's pattern. Like, all of his wives would say instead of having a fight or having a conclusion, Phil would just get up and go to bed. Like, he would leave everything unresolved because he didn't like to have any negative, you know, confrontations. Oh, man, I am Phil Hartman. Shit. Rut row. (laughs) I mean, not comedically. I just just like leaving things. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, it doesn't turn out great for Phil, so let's maybe take this as a learning experience. All right, let me make a note to my therapist. Actually, no, I'm not victim-blaming. This is not Phil's fault. I was um, in therapy the other day and like like, crying, and my therapist like really like leaned into it, like literally. she Like Like, physically leaned into it? Like leaned forward and was like, what are you feeling right now? And I'm like bawling. And my go-to when I'm crying is I don't say a fucking word because it just makes it way, way worse, right? She's like, so where are you feeling? I'm like... Yeah, and let's go deeper. And I'm like, I don't. I'm like, I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go. Where's my popcorn bag? (laughs) (laughs) Why does she do that? I don't know. It's gotta be a tactic, right? They learn about that shit in school. Yeah, it's to be more aware of the root, and I don't know. It's a whole thing. But so you know why she just like physically was in your space when you were trying to. Catch a minute? Well, I think she's trying to get to the source of it and wants me to talk it through. Have you, like, kind of started to circle the source of it? No, we have to. <laughs> we don't really get to it. We only have an hour a week. And it's just you crying. It's all, <laughs> yeah, and it's all, like, surface. Really? Yeah, I mean, we've gotten a little bit into it, but usually something comes up in the week, and so... I'm Boy, like, hey. I think we need like two times a week where it's... Or maybe two hours a time because like, doesn't it... Aren't you just starting from scratch every time you sit down? Not really. I mean, she's pretty good with like keeping Picking notes. Picking it up? And, yeah, and, and keeping us on a certain kind of schedule, I guess, or yeah, agenda. Yeah. But yeah, it's almost like I should do one hour of surface and one hour of root. Do you know root? Like, do you even know where to begin? Not really, no. Mm. I have a general idea, but... Uh, no, I mean I've got all kinds of theories. Do you like her as a therapist though? Like is she Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. Is she pretty? Uh, she is a beautiful person. One thousand percent. Like Okay, so you're not like giving her like heart emoji eyes? Uh no, no. Sometimes. <laughs> just just a few times. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry for digressing. No, please. That you can Less you stop apologizing? By the way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's my hour. <laughs> So, before this agreement uh, in 1985, Paul Rubin was asked to be on Saturday Night Live as a host. And, of course, he agreed, but in a weird move, he wanted to bring his own writers, which they don't typically do that. But 
they said, okay, I guess, so you're Pee Wee Herman, so that's kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that was verbatim, by the way. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> um, but they allowed it, and Phil was, of course, one of those writers. He had the opportunity to audition for Saturday Night Live before this time, but he didn't want to make the move to New York. He loved California. He was also working on his marriage to Lisa at this point in time, and the move would have not been ideal for their relationship. So he decided to stay put at the earlier time. So they said that like he passed up the opportunity to be on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, but in the Howard Stern show, he said that this wasn't a job that was his for the taking. It was like, they were like, do you want to audition for us? Like, who knows what he would have got if he would have been a regular personality. So it wasn't like he was guaranteed. That's when he was on Howard Stern. He's like, everybody keeps saying, like, you passed it up before for your marriage and for this. He's like, it wasn't mine. Like, it was just like, I had an opportunity to maybe do something with it. Yeah, I totally kind of disagree. I just think... He would have got it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The second he's on 8H comes through those doors yeah it's hit. like you just see the dynamic performer and i always heard that he just loved the groundlings he did love the groundlings like and yeah. just never thought anything would be better than that yeah but in 1986 after he was uh with peewee he uh did actually end up auditioning and it's pretty safe to assume how that audition went uh yeah <laughs> the only thing i didn't like about it is that he was smoking while he was doing it but you know, smoking darts. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So apparently, you ever smoke? No. I smoked from the time that I was like fifteen to yeah, sixteen to, to oh, really? twenty three. Yeah. Wow. But I didn't really smoke. Like even my friends would always say, like you didn't inhale cigarette smoke. Oh, right. You just put it in your mouth and blew it out. It was just a way for me to burn through ten dollars every few days. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you know. Yeah, nice. I d- actually, it was four twenty five when I started smoking. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. Yikes! Did you smoke? Uh, I did, yeah, for a couple of years. Yeah? Yeah. Stupid, eh? I know. I was telling my kid, she was like, why do people smoke? And I was like, I think people start smoking when you're a teenager because you think it looks cool. I was like, and then by the time you realize that it's not cool. You're hooked. You're hooked. <laughs> I was like, and so I've already been trying to instill in her that teenagers are completely out of their minds. Mm-hmm. And like, I use my stupid dragon tattoo as a perfect example. I'm like, you do dumb things when you're a teenager. Like, I'm going to tell you this right now. You're going to go shit for brains, and you're going to think you know everything, but you're mm-hmm. not going to know everything. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, please, I'm trying to, like, make her understand it now. So yeah, that yeah. when she's a teenager, and I'm like, remember when I said you'd be a psychopath? This is what I was talking about. <laughs> and she'll get it. <laughs> so, yeah, his audition went fantastic. Apparently, Phil was a little bit apprehensive about signing on right away because at the time, he was 38, and oh, he felt like he would be... Yeah. The old guy with a bunch of fresh face up and comers. That's right. Which is a real bummer for me because I'm 38 and I'm really hoping that my pop star career will take off like any day now. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, you say more. Better luck probably as like a stripper, but um, also <laughs> entertainer for sure. So half and half, dear. But like not in a berry strip club, like one in Toronto. Thank you so much. And not on the first floor either. <gasps> Second floor, at least. Maybe in the third floor. I don't know anything about the floors, but are we talking like a Monday Upper, night? Uh, no, we're talking like a Friday at like 9 p.m. You, sir. Just under the feature. Are the sweetest. <laughs> <laughs> he says the nicest things to me. Oh, my God. Is it uh, my birthday? It's like, why are you crying? <laughs> I'm my co-host on the pod. Did I be a stripper? Here I go. On a Friday night. 
What, like one of those Wednesday lunchtime ones? Yeah. No. <laughs> a buffet, all you can eat. Oh. There's just people eating chicken fingers. Oh, my God. I used Want to. Want a wing? <laughs> uh, I'm working. But yes, I would. But please. yes, please. Can you dip that in blue cheese? Thank yeah. you very much. Hey, oh, you, you, is that blue cheese? Oh, my God. I am a good dancer. <laughs> okay, so, you know, Phil was 38 and... He was clearly geriatric at this point. Yeah, useless. <laughs> so yeah, like I don't, how did the man even roll out of bed is what I would like to know. But he signed on anyways in his last days. <laughs> and bingo bongo, just like that, Phil was on season 12 oh of SNL. But no. um, at the beginning, he was not only part of their face, but he was also a writer. He would later say that that type of life was not sustainable because as he put it, the beginning half of the week is where the writers go hard. Yeah. And they pull crazy hours trying to organize the show. And the second half, the cast is pushed to their limits trying to remember their lines and practicing sketches and whatnot. So to be doing both of those things, he was virtually burning the candle at both ends. Lots of cocaine in the 80s. Yeah, but Phil didn't do cocaine. No. He did weed, which was... Do you do weed? Uh, no, I think you smoke weed, shitty undercover cop. <laughs> Hey, hey, young kids. You're 38. You're hanging out with all the young. You're like Phil Hartman. You're going back to school, the undercover gig. When I'm not stripping on a Friday, am I right? <laughs> hey, fellow youths. I sound like O.G. Simpson. <laughs> hey there, youth world. Oh, it's, your, it's your friendly stripper here. <laughs> <laughs> so, around this time, Phil started dating a tall swimsuit model whose current name was Bryn Omdahl. Mm. And I say current name because Bryn was actually born Vicky Joe Omdahl in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. Thief River? Yeah. Love it. That river takes my dreams, takes my hopes. That's why we call it Thief River. How do you know? What is that from? No, I don't know. I just made it up. You just made that up? (laughs) Why? (laughs) I don't know. I'm a psycho. (laughs) (laughs) So Bryn had small modeling stints. She was even a body paint model for when people have parties. She would be one of the attractions, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, I see that stuff a lot of the time on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. They have like human art. Okay. And they'll just be like doing like gymnastics poses. Do you have gymnastics poses? I don't know. Do you have to get them to paint? Sometimes you do. You get them to paint. Like, or like there was one that I saw and she was just a mermaid. She sat on like a shell in the pool the entire time. She was just like human art. Like people were like, and she'd just like wag her tail. Oh my God. It was, I think it's really just a flex for people that have money. They're like, we paid that person to sit there all night. Yeah, really. I would like to order them in, but be like, give me four. Like what kind of uh, painting? You know, we're going to go blank canvases today. We're going to go. That's you know. just a naked lady? Uh, okay, sure. If that's what your policy, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take four. And you can have them in the guest room. <laughs> That's right. Don't take them in the basement, Matthew. I'm worried about the basement, though, if your mom... Because what I think is she's trying it's, to... There's just a storage area <laughs> on the way to my boudoir. So she doesn't like that people are going to go by, like, all of, like, the bins and stuff. And... I love that your mom is worried about the standards of these ladies that are just coming for a rendezvous in the basement. <laughs> she's like, I don't want them to see the bins. <laughs> yeah, right. They're like... And the girl's like, oh, my God, we're going to do it indoors. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> oh, God. I met a man. What did I tell my mom? I met a man with a cement dwelling. Oh, my God. You got bins. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ew. She like just leaves. leaves Vicky Joe. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. So, 
What her real dream was, though, Brins, was to become a famous actress. Mm. She had had a few acting stints, and she had dated a few actors while she was in uh, Los Angeles. Um, And to Phil, that was part of her appeal. Like, he liked that men wanted her. That's odd. Is it odd? I think so. I mean, I hate when people hit on or compliment anybody I'm seeing, even if it's nice. To me, it just seems like men are always in a pissing contest. Yeah. So, like, you wouldn't want your friends to think your girlfriend was ugly, though, right? I just don't want them to think about her like that. Oh, whoa. Either way. Oh, Jesus. Is that wrong? Are you going to kick their ass? No, I just, uh, I don't know. That's my girl. Whoa. Not like that, but yeah, I don't know. I just, people you just, yo. you fucking pee all over her. Yeah, You're like, that's mine. You smell that? That's, that's mine. I think, you know, that was. What, what. <laughs> we call them golden showers, so it's romantic. Oh my God. How do you know that? <laughs> I'm 38 and a stripper on like, Fridays. Seasoned <laughs> veteran. Don't call me seasoned. I don't like that. I was going to say grizzled veteran. Well, that's way worse. And then you just said it, so that's, it counts. That's true. I did oh. say you look like an absolute smoke show at the top of the pod. You're like for a 38-year-old, though, which is like I basically— For a 38-year-old? You're like, I expected yeah. you to walk in here with a fucking walker. A walk. Aaron Rollers. <laughs> Bingo dabber paint on your knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> My carpal tunnel's acting up. <laughs> So Bryn and Phil, to no shock to anyone, they had a very tumultuous relationship because at the beginning, Phil is just full of passion and Bryn herself is very jealous. Uh, Not only is she jealous in regards to other women, but Bryn was also jealous of Phil's career and would constantly be hounding him to help her with her career. (laughs) He once even tried to get her a job on SNL and when the producer asked, is she funny? Phil responded, in her own way. (laughs) That's not really... um Boat of confidence there, <laughs> no, Mr. Hartman. She fell down the stairs the other day. I giggled. I, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> so when Phil first joined SNL, the show was very rocky. Uh, ratings had dropped, and there was even talks of it being canceled. Newspapers were calling it Saturday Night Dead. Oh, yeah. That was a, a famous article mm. headline that was put up all over the building. Well, apparently Lauren Michaels had taken some time off i can't remember the reasoning but when he came back like shit had just fallen in on itself yeah i went to oj's best bud dick ebersol oh god dick ebersol he was in charge of nbc sports and west coast programming and then they and moved he was him busy over. masturbating in movie theaters that's so right. that's same guy didn't work out well <laughs> name like dick ebersol you know you're doing something <laughs> so the show Needed to get back into the green. Uh, mm-hmm. And on set, everyone would call Phil the glue. Yeah. Did you know that? Uh, no, but it makes sense. Chris Farley would be quoted saying, without the glue, there's trouble. Wow. So something else that is interesting is the opening of SNL when they panned to Phil Hartman. This is what I sent you last night. He's sitting in a restaurant and he smiles when they say his name. But what most people don't catch, because why would you, is the back of the head of the blonde woman who he's sitting with is Bryn. And to anyone who doesn't know the story, they wouldn't have noticed anything. Bryn's wearing these large chandelier-type earrings, and it's swaying quickly during that one-second intro. It's kind of a br- like now that like now I that know you I see it, you can't not it, see it. It's so jarring, right? Yeah. Yes, I fully agree. So she kept trying to get her face on the camera. <laughs> And they kept telling her to look away. They're mm-hmm. like, just look at Phil. So, like, they caught her when, like, she had just turned her head to look at Phil. And, like, her earring is, like, just waving mm-hmm. back and forth. <laughs> 
But like, how embarrassing. I know. Like, I stop know. looking at us. <laughs> I know. Like, to be with somebody just so thirsty for attention. Like, to me, like, I would be mortified to be sitting in front of the person that I was in a relationship with and be that, like, yeah. obvious about what I was trying to do. Yeah. Like, fucking, this is his thing. Mm -hmm. Just chill the fuck out. He probably had to beg to get the back of her head on TV yeah, anyways. Really. But um, during his time on SNL, Phil's career started to skyrocket. He did commercials for Foot Locker and McDonald's. McDonald's paid him $1.2 million wow. to play Hugh McAddict. And he also got a job working on The Simpsons where he would do the voice of a few characters, but most notably it was Troy McClure. Yeah. Uh, and he would be on 50 episodes of The Simpsons. Wow. That's but a lot. Yeah. Again. That was the stool. <laughs> oh, still doesn't narrow it down. Footstool. Still, perverts, doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> oh, my God. Again, uh, Bryn was upset about her own career not taking off, and she would show up on the set of SNL dressed to the nines. Like, <laughs> they said that there was no dress that was too short or too tight. Oh, my God. And she would flirt with other men in front of it, like, sit on their laps. Ooh. Yeah. Unfortunately for her, though, this really did not go as planned because Phil kind of liked it. <laughs> oh, no. He liked to be linked to this beautiful woman who caught the eyes of other men. All these dudes. And once again... Phil would end up marrying Bryn on November 25th of 1987. This time was a little bit different, though, because when they married, Bryn was actually two months pregnant. Oh. Yeah. What do you got to say to her? Hmm? guess her kid was kind of there, but nothing. I think that's lovely that she got <laughs> married before the birth of her child. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to fucking armbar you. <laughs> Are you saying that because of my shirt? Oh, my God. What is the chances? My Ronda Rousey armbar t-shirt. Are you a UFC fan? No. Oh, well. A, it's a wrestling shirt. Isn't Ronda Rousey a UFC fighter now? Uh, no, she uh, retired and has become a wwe -er. But she was in the UFC. She was, oh yeah. Totally, because yeah. I've watched her. I love the UFC. Oh, not me. Makes me uncomfortable. Really? Like Howard like, Stern makes me uncomfortable? Yeah, I don't like real Let's see people. who can sit in the room longer. Like, I'll go sit in a room and listen to Howard Stern, and you go watch the UFC, and we'll see who has to leave, because it's going to be me, because Howard Stern makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, this is an easy bet for you. <laughs> <laughs> so this was marriage number three for Phil, and it was number two for Bryn, because she had a brief marriage to a man named Douglas Ivor Torfin. Just quite a handle. <laughs> and on June 17th of 1988, the couple welcomed their first child into the world, and his name was Sean Edward Hartman. And on February 8th of 1992, they had a daughter, and her name was Bergen Anika Hartman. I love, I love that. Bergen. Bergen. Bergen is so freaking cute. Do you think there's any, like, Candace Bergen? Like, was that a factor? Or it's B.I., so I don't think uh, so. Okay. I think, what's Maybe. the guy on Troll's name? On what? Trolls. Oh, I don't know those. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, mm. uh, <laughs> Sorry. I'm not aware that I have children, so I don't go see those movies. <laughs> so when Bergen was born, Phil was in absolute awe of mm -hmm. his daughter. He thought she was the most beautiful baby that he had ever seen. And he was one fucking hell of a dad. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Like, he would play with these kids, and he did. He was just as animated with them as he was on yeah, stage. No like, doubt. he was amazing. After their first child was born, though, Phil's ex-wife, Lisa, sent a letter to the couple congratulating them. Wow, I did not spell congratulating right. Mm -hmm. That's like, congratulating. Is that, congrat, you are lactating. <laughs> so she was congratulating them, saying if they needed anything, that Aunt Lisa is happy to help. 
And Bren wrote her back an absolutely scathing letter. No. Four pages. At one point, she even threatened to rip out Lisa's eyes if she ever talked to Phil again. First of all, you can't rip out somebody's eyes. You got to put your finger in behind it and pop it out. Everybody knows that. (laughs) Idiots. And when Lisa called Phil, because nobody, Lisa's wearing mesh bottoms to a wedding. She's not fucking listening to this bitch. <laughs> she's like, if you ever talk to Phil again, yeah. she's like, I need to get Phil on the horn. This yeah. is fucking weird. If you ever call Phil again, he's like, 705, 705, <laughs> So, you know, Lisa was not one to follow anyone else's rules. And Phil said to her, you should have seen the first two letters that she wanted to send you. Oh, my God. I <laughs> <laughs> thought that was bad. Yeah. So this definitely put a damper on the ex-couple's friendship. Yeah, but a after, little bit. Yeah. After a few years, uh, they began meeting up again, platonically, of course, but mm-hmm. they would have to do it in secret, and they would just catch up and have lunch every now and then. That's called micro-cheating. Micro-cheating. emotional cheating. I don't know if it's emotional cheating. I think you have to have a, a sexual interest in the person. No. You don't think so? I don't think so. Like, if you and I, let's say, we, we, you know, went to, you know, had lunches, and we talked about our relationships and spilt emotional blood together and cried, and you would talk about your feelings, and that, I think, is emotional. I think that's what we do on this podcast all the time, isn't it? Like, (laughs) my husband can listen to this if he wants to. (laughs) He can find out firsthand. Yeah, like, fucking listen to it then, jackass. (laughs) 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 So, I don't know. I don't. I don't. And especially not telling his current wife that he's seeing his ex-wife. Big red flag. Well, she's a psychopath, though. Even bigger of a red flag. I guess so. So, I said here, I do not condone the letter that Bren sent to Lisa. But do you remember earlier when I told you that Phil had told someone that Lisa was his soulmate? Yes. Well, that person was Bryn. <laughs> So oh my I can see why she would be uneasy. Yeah, never ever admit to your current relationship that anything in your past was better than what you currently have. Or that they were your soulmate. Like yeah, that's like worse. Your soul's mated with that person forever. Oh, I never put two and two together. Sorry. On the I'm, meaning of that word. Well, Matt. A soul's mate. You know what, Matt? You can go fuck at your hat. What? Find a hat. Find that giant straw hat. I know that. And go and that fuck come it. Off as sarcastic. I was. Being I feel 100% like it was hundred percent genuine. I, it's one of those words that I've just never given thought to. <laughs> so the fact that, like, now I'm picturing two spirits just begging, <laughs> or two souls rather, in your guest room. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, after the children were born, surprise her to none. Because let me tell you something, and everyone, you heard it here first. Yeah. Kids don't fix relationships. Interesting. I know. I know. But Mm -hmm. I'm here to help the people. If you have a kid and your relationship's already pretty rocky. Kid will make it better. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. (laughs) So after the children were born, the tension between Phil and Bryn got even worse. A makeup artist on set of SNL would say that Phil would often come to the chair upset over a disagreement that Bryn had just chewed him out over. But he said one time, Phil was pale and physically shaking. And when he asked him what was going on, Phil put on one of his bits and he was in a comical voice. He said, well, I think the wife just might divorce me over this one. (laughs) (laughs) My God. But before Phil, Bryn had actually had somewhat of a bad Addiction to cocaine. Oh. As opposed to those good addictions. Nose beers is what my one friend called them one time. Nose beers. It is the greatest name for any drug <laughs> of all time. 
It really dulls it down, though. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. Like, I'm just having a couple nose beers before I come home. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, nose beers. Oh, no. Have a a couple of nose beers. (laughs) (laughs) But she had gone to rehab, and she'd been sober from cocaine for a number of years. But all the fighting was taking its toll on both Bryn and Phil. And in 1997, at an SNL Christmas party, Bryn asked Andy Dick if he had some cocaine. Mm. Did you know that part? No. And knowing nothing about her past issues with the drug, he said that he did, and he gave her some. Wait, he was on SNL in 97 or just went to the Christmas party? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, okay. He might have been on. I know that on news radio, there was a big, when Lovitz came in, to replace Phil Hartman, could not even stand to be around Andy Dick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he says, um, John Lovett said to Andy Dick, I know you killed Phil Hartman. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. So uh, he gave her some cocaine. And even Bryn's brother, Greg, would admit that Bryn loved the drug. She even called him once and was essentially gushing over what a great drug cocaine was. Oh, my God. It's like you just found a, a great store, a great restaurant. Guess what? Oh, my God. You're not going to believe this. I found these nose beers. And they're gluten-free. Oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> Vegan. Yeah, that's fucking right. Gives a little bit of energy. A little bit. Thumbs your gums. <laughs> Ruins relationships. <laughs> so Bryn struggled with trying to get sober again. And... This, of course, added to the tension between her and Phil. Mm-hmm. And um, during that Howard Stern interview that I've referenced many times, they even have Bryn come out and Howard speaks to her. Like, how often do you see a spouse come out on the Howard Stern show? Like, is that not really super awkward? Uh, yeah, pretty awkward. It's pretty rare. It has happened, but yeah, it's pretty rare. Yeah, it's usually when the wife has the man by the balls. <laughs> So, in that interview, Phil credits Bryn for bringing him out of his male neurotic mindset. Mm. Oh, no. I don't think she did that too much. (laughs) (laughs) He also tells Howard that at the end of the 19th season, after being with SNL for eight years, he would be leaving. He would leave and the cast would perform a version of So Long Farewell. At the end of it... It's just Chris Farley and Phil Hartman on stage. And sadly, in only a few short years, neither of those two men would be alive. Mm. That hits. That, uh, that hits. Yeah. <laughs> it's Have you seen, did you ever see the um, last episode that Phil Hartman was on SNL? I did, yeah. I mean, I've, I, years and years and years ago. Um, I do remember that musical number. Because I don't ever, very rarely does SNL give you a send-off. Right. You, you're right. just all of a sudden, you're not back right. the next year. So, like, Kristen Wiig got one, Farrell and Hartman, I yeah. think, are the only three that I ever remember getting a send-off. Yeah. So, after leaving SNL, Phil would get a job as cocky news co-anchor <laughs> Bill McNeil. He would only be on that show for three years, from 1995 to 1998. In 1998, Bryn and Phil were on the absolute verge of getting a divorce. And on May 27th, Bryn started off her afternoon with Christine Zander, who was a supervising producer for Third Rock from the Sun. Mm. Bryn had made a guest appearance on the show. Phil had also guest starred on the show, and he had, of course, gotten her the spot. Phil did quite a few characters, like I want to say like a, a handful. or something yeah. just to get her. Well, yeah, he was on it a bunch of times, and so Bryn obviously mm-hmm. clamored on to his star and... Uh, was able to get herself a guest role. So during this lunch, Christine would say that Bryn seemed in fine spirits, 
during the lunch date. She was not exhibiting any worrisome behaviors that she could see, and the pair even made plans to meet again soon. Bryn would leave that lunch and meet up with her friend, Ron Douglas. I feel so bad for Ron Douglas. Why is that? (sighs) Bryn. So he would say that she had a couple of beers and complained about her marriage to Phil because guys love to hear about your shitty marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, they're emotionally supportive. They just, you know, they love to be that shoulder. Mind being like, "Hmm, I wonder how long this is going to take before I can bang. (laughs) (laughs) So after Ron tried politely to get Bryn to leave because he had to work the next day, she finally got the hint. And uh, just before 1 a.m., she would go home to Phil, where it is believed that the couple got into a fight due to Bryn not being sober. And Phil, avoiding conflict, would presumably do what he did in conflict. It got up and went to bed. After Ron's house, however, we can only speculate as to what transpired because sadly nobody would be alive to talk about what was happening. It's assumed that Bryn continued drinking and doing drugs and just seething with anger. She got up and removed a 38 caliber gun from the gun safe in their home and would fire three shots into her sleeping husband. One in the head, one in the neck, and one in the chest. Which, if you're like an untrained marksman, like I don't know how she managed to hit those three very vital yeah, you know, spots. Like, yeah. Wow. I didn't know he was in bed. Yeah, he was sleeping. Well, that's one kind of positive. That he was sleeping? Yeah. I guess. I guess. He was 49 at the time, and he died instantly. Sadly, the children were home at this time. Oh, And their son, Sean, said he awoke to what he assumed was a door slamming. After shooting her husband, Bryn went back over to Ron's house. And when he answered the door, he said that she looked like a zombie. And she said, I just killed Phil, and I don't know why. Oh, my God. Imagine you're like, I fucking have to work tomorrow. This bitch has been here drinking all night, and now you're coming with this information? Jesus. Ron told her not to say that. He didn't want to believe what she was saying to him, Mm. obviously. He took her back home and escorted her inside. He entered the couple's room and saw what Bryn had done, and he could not believe that she had been telling the truth. He closed the door and dialed 911. At this point, Bryn entered the bedroom and started screaming that it was true and that she had, in fact, killed Phil. While Ron was on the phone, Bryn slipped back into the bedroom and locked herself in. Now, it was just before 6 a.m., and the cops had arrived and found the children. Little Bergen was only six years old, and she was found cowering in the corner of her bedroom with a blanket over her head. Jesus. Because of all the commotion, of course. They got the kids out of the house, and then a gunshot could be heard coming from the couple's room. Bryn had taken her own life, not being able to face what she had done to her husband. And after his death, The Simpsons would dedicate the episode called Bart the Mother to Phil. SNL did a beautiful tribute where John Lovitz is just barely holding on. Yeah, John would also take over for him on news radio, but the show would only last a couple more years. But he was self-admittedly very depressed for years after Phil's death. Phil and Bryn were cremated and their ashes were scattered over Santa Catalina Islands. And in my notes, I wrote together. Yeah, yeah. I was, that's... Like, bye, Bryn. Yeah. But that was one of Phil's most favorite places. Bryn's brother, Greg, ended up suing Pfizer, which made Zoloft, which is an antidepressant. So he sued them in a wrongful death suit. Pfizer settled with Greg for $100,000, I think, just to make it go away. 
because they were also cleared of any wrongdoing. Right. It was probably the cocaine. Uh, yeah. I'm maybe. thinking that the Zoloft didn't do too much. Yeah, you're probably going to want to file a lawsuit against the Escobar estate. <laughs> the children would end up going to live with Bryn's sister, and they would change their last name to try and keep them out of the spotlight. Bergen would later change her name back, and she would even attend a tribute show that SNL did for Phil in 2015. And she tweeted about her famous dad on what would have been his 74th birthday. Aww. She said, my dad's 74th birthday today. Thanks for the personality disorder. <laughs> oh, my God. That is, that's perfect. <laughs> and that is the heartbreaking story of the death of Phil Hartman. Wow. That is so sad. And you know what? I just recalled in the notes here, I wrote that in 1997 was the party that Bryn got the cocaine from Andy, Andy Dick. Dick. SNL was over by then, so you're right. It was um, news radio that the Christmas party was for. Oh, okay, okay. So there you go. You're yeah, super smart. It's just, I mean, it's funny because like my memory, like I remember... Um, Every week I have to reintroduce up. myself, but you... <laughs> I remember being picked up from high school and it being on the radio on it's the way so home. It's so sad. And my mom's like, Matthew, the guy from your show died. He didn't and, die. Yeah. That, well, yeah. And then, I don't know, maybe I just assumed that because it was a murder-suicide and I, maybe I just think that they're always, you know, murder and then suicide, like, really quick. Yeah. Had no idea that she'd left the house. Left the house with the babies there with his dead body. Yeah. Like, but you know what? She was out of her mind. And, like, I know that they had a tumultuous relationship, but to me, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound premeditated. Like, it sounds like she was out of her mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she got angry and she just kind of stewed in her own anger until, because like the fact that she couldn't believe that she had, she wasn't even really sure that she had done it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh man, imagine that reality check. Shit. Wild. What a tragic, tragic story. Very tragic. It's such a talent too. Mm -hmm. Such a huge talent. Branford's own. Yeah. Also Wayne Gretzky. Let's not, oh, we, yeah. we have to give him his accolades. That's right. <laughs> Hell of a hockey player. Okay, so we're All on to the right. next one. Okay. Bye. Bye.